Good morning. Uh, my name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here at Ignite. So glad that you guys could be with us uh, this morning. If you are a guest today, we want to say a special welcome to you. Thank you so much uh, for taking time over this busy holiday season to come and be with us and, and worship with us and, and uh, study God's word together. Um, before uh, we jump into the message today, I um, just want to talk about something. We were um, in the message, we're in a sermon series called Messiah, and uh, in front of you today, there is a card um, that's going to be really important later on in the service, so just want to uh, pay attention to that, because we're going to be talking about that later, um, and uh, um, there's going to be pens kind of scattered out through there. Not every one of these cards has a pen, but there's going to be a pen around you um, in case you need one. Otherwise, uh, you're, if you're not close to a pen, you're close to a mom, and moms have purses, and purses have have a bazillion pens in them. So um, just uh, want to draw your attention uh, to that before we uh, jump in. We are talking about the Messiah. That's what the series is about. We're talking about the Messiah. Now, the word Messiah means anointed one. It means chosen one of God. It means special set apart. The Messiah is one of a kind. The Messiah is one in a million. The Messiah is one in the history of the world. There's one Messiah, and we're going to be talking about him today. And so we're going to be talking about the fact that, and, and, and what's amazing about um, the Messiah is that, that God throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, talks about this Messiah that was to come. That there, there was going to be one that, that would do a lot of things. He would be a chosen one for a purpose. He, he, would, um, he would save people from their sins. He would establish a kingdom. He would welcome in those who are lost, broken, and hurting. He would, he would do all these amazing things. And people longed for it. They said, okay, he's going to be coming someday. When is he going to be here? And one of the prophets that wrote about the Messiah, the Messiah that was to come, the chosen one of God, was a guy named Isaiah. And Isaiah was a prophet, and, and, and as a prophet of God, he lived um, some 600 years, six to 700 years before the birth of Jesus, okay? Um, 670 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah lived, and he was given a message from God that he recorded that, in a book that bears his name, the book of Isaiah. And so we're going to be talking, we've been making our way through um, some portions of the book of Isaiah in this Christmas season, which might seem weird to you. Like, why would we talk about a book that was written 600 years before Jesus came, before we're going to be talking about the coming of Jesus? And the reason why we're doing that is because there's so many prophecies in Isaiah that talk about Jesus' arrival, that Jesus would come to this earth, that he would come on this earth, the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that is so long waited for. And that he would come to this earth and he would, he would uh, establish a kingdom. He'd be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, right? The, we talked about that a few weeks ago. That scripture was on the screen this morning. This is, what, this is the characteristics of the Messiah, that he'd be the Prince of Peace, that he'd be righteous, that he'd be the Everlasting Father, the Wonderful Counselor, and then last week we saw how, how the Messiah, he would show up on this world and he would do something that we don't think any of us would, if we're thinking about a leader and a savior of the world, we don't think ever of what happened to Jesus and that is that he would suffer. And that was foretold of in the book of Isaiah 600 years before Jesus. In fact, even the way that he would suffer. And the reason why the Messiah needed to suffer is because he was going to take upon himself the judgment of sin for humanity. That the sins you and I commit, 
the things that anger God, the injustices in the world, Jesus was gonna take the wrath of God, the, the, the righteous indignation that God has towards those things, and he was gonna take it all upon himself so that he could free the people who had committed the crime because he loves them. That's an amazing thing about what the Messiah would do. So we saw that he arrives and that he would suffer. And today we're going to be talking about that he delivers. Jesus delivers. The Messiah delivers. He delivers us, but he also delivers something to us, which is incredible. This wonderful gift. And as we're going to be talking about uh, the Christmas season, uh, we're going to be talking about gifts a lot. I'm sure you guys have been talking about gifts um, I saw in the news yesterday that, that the, the, the online industry has to prepare for some like $40 million or something like that of returned gifts that are going to be happening over the next few weeks. We have to have a system to return because some of the gifts are not great. Um, some of the gifts uh, don't fit. Um, some of the gifts, whatever it is, right? There's all these reasons why we want to return a gift. But there's some gifts that we receive, right, that are the best, and we cherish those things. In fact, the best gifts are given on purpose with a purpose. The best gifts are given on purpose. You ever give a gift to someone not on purpose? That's really interesting. It makes for an awkward moment. Right? You're like, oh, you want to see this? Oh, thank you so much. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. That was mine. Um, well, I guess it's yours now, so enjoy it. Uh, but the best gifts are given on purpose, but the best gifts are given with a purpose. Think about, think about for a second the best gifts that you've ever received. Or think about the best gifts you've ever given. The ones where you like nailed it, right? You knew it when you bought it. You're like, this could be so good. This could be so good. In fact, the best gifts are costly, right? The best gifts are costly. They cost us something. Not always money, right? Not every kiss begins with K all the time. But <laughs> I don't have enough money to get a kiss. Um, right? But, but gifts, a good gift should cost you. Should cost you time. Should cost you effort. Should cost you, right? Like, like a good gift, like if you give someone a gift, there should have been a cost behind it. I thought about you. I spent time thinking about what would you like. Or like the gifts of your presence. Like, like we, we have all these YouTube videos of surprise homecomings over the holidays, right? Military people or, or friends and family who travel. It costs them time and energy and money to come there to be with their loved ones, right? And, and we all watch those videos and, and uh, I was getting inspired by them this week and I, I was watching one of them in a coffee shop and I started crying and I'm like, I gotta stop. I gotta stop. People think I'm weird. Um, I'm in public over here, just some dude drinking his coffee going, this is so good. <laughs> but they should cost us something, right? The, gift, the best gifts are given on purpose with a purpose. And these purposes, the, the gift should, it like satisfies a longing or it, or it meets a need, right? Those, these beautiful, wonderful gifts. And what we're going to talk about today is Jesus being this tremendous gift, not only what he does for us, but his presence in our life is this tremendous gift that you'll never, ever, ever want to return. And so when, when Isaiah was told to write down the prophecies about the Messiah, the chosen one of God, 
one of the things that God had him write down is something that the Messiah would say. And so in Isaiah 61, we see this, and this is where we're gonna, this is where we're gonna be today. We're gonna be in Isaiah 61, verse one, the first part of two. This is what it says. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That, that God would send the Messiah the chosen one, and this is, this is actually the son, the, the, the second part of the Trinity. Jesus will come, God himself will come, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Now, we don't, we don't um, use the word anointed a lot, which to me is really just sad in our culture. Not for anything else other than the fact that the word anointed just sounds fun. Um, but, but when you anointed someone, the only time we're really using this is like in sports nowadays, are they anointed like the goat? Are they anointed the next great run, right? You know, like, is, is someone going to be anointed? Like the idea of anointing was to set apart. There was a ceremony of anointment and what they would do is they would pour out oil and it would go on the top of their heads, but this is not like a small amount. It was a lot. You were anointed. And the, re the reason why they anointed people with oil is, is they would demonstrate to the world that this is God's selected one. A lot of times they would anoint a king. They would say, we believe that this is God's chosen king for for our people, and the pouring out of oil was to re uh, represent the pouring out of God's blessing upon them, and then in turn, God's blessing upon us. That, that, that God would pour out his favor on one person, this leader, and this leader would lead us well, so we would thrive and flourish because this person was being blessed richly by the Lord. When they would anoint you with oil, it was this fragrant oil. It, it, it filled the room when it engaged all of your senses as you looked at it, as you smelled, as you could touch them. You know, all, all, just all this stuff going on, showing that God was pouring out his blessing on this person. And the spirit of the Lord was upon him because the Lord had anointed him. When Jesus was baptized, it, it said he came out of the water and the spirit of God descended upon him like a dove and rested upon him. That the spirit of God would, would be with him. That the spirit of God would lead him. And, and, and as we see this, the spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And what is he to do? What is this Messiah to do with this anointing? What is he to do with the spirit of God? Bring good news to the poor. The purpose of bringing good news to the poor. I don't know um, if you've ever grown up or spent any time living below the poverty line. I don't know if you've ever been there. Um, I have. And I can't tell you how important good news is to someone who is struggling. When you have good news, 
Like, like one, of the, one of the scariest things that you can have if you're living under the poverty line, if you have no margin in your life, you can't have things go wrong because if they go wrong, there's no margin. You don't know what you're gonna do, right? And so every trip to get your oil changed is scary because what if they find something? Every trip to the doctor is scary because what if they find something? Every, every trip to the principal's office is scary. Every time a boss calls you in, it could just be to reward you and say, hey, you're doing a good job or ask you a question, but your heart starts to thump because if something goes wrong, there's no margin. And Jesus comes to give good news to the poor. Good news to the poor. Not only the poor materially, but Jesus said, as we've been studying the book of Matthew um, this fall, that, that he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is the poor in spirit. When you realize that there's no margin in your life, that you are bankrupt spiritually, that you got no place else to go, Jesus says, this is, I have good news for you. Because if you're puffed up and you think that you're so full of yourself and you think you got it so made, then you're going to miss the kingdom of heaven. But blessed are those, happy are those who understand that they don't have anything spiritually to bring to God, to impress him. Because it's those people that receive the kingdom. And if you're here today, and you're poor, right? I've got in a church that I grew up so poor I couldn't even pay attention, right? That's, that's how he talks about his growing up. If you grow up in, the, in those places, if you, if you are poor in spirit, if you're poor relationally, if you're poor physically, you know, materially, know this. Jesus has his arm extended to you. And that if you accept his gift, we can understand that our poverty is temporary. Our poverty is temporary. God won't necessarily make you just filthy, stinking rich here on earth, but what he is going to do is he's going to prepare a place for you in the kingdom of God for eternity. The lack that you experience now, at worst, is temporary. That's good news. That it's not going to last forever. And if you're poor in spirit, you're close to the kingdom. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He has come to give good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. For some in this room today, today is hard. For some in this room today, today is a very, very difficult day. And you're brokenhearted. Maybe this time last year, you were married. Maybe this time last year, mom and dad were alive. Maybe this time last year, you were in good health. Maybe this time last year, you had good friends and a good job. And this year is something completely different. Your world got turned upside down. 
And you're like, this is not the Christmas that I wanted. This is not the time of year when I wanted to go through this. I know all times are inconvenienced to go through heartache, but the, heart, the, the holidays, come on, God. And Jesus comes to bind up the brokenhearted. I love that imagery. I love the imagery of binding it up. That he takes what's broken and he puts a bandage around it and puts it back together so that it can heal. If you ever bound up an injury, you have to be very careful. You have to be very patient. You have to be very tender. You have to be very precise. And Jesus is all of those things. He's all of those things. And what I love is that, that God doesn't pretend like there isn't brokenness in the world. There are, some, there are some belief systems out there that we try to deny pain, like it doesn't exist. We're just going to pretend like everything's fine. But God says, no, there is brokenness in the world. There is pain in the world because there's sin in the world. But I'm coming to bind up the brokenhearted. And if you're in here today and you've experienced and know what that's like to have Jesus meet you in your pain, you know what I'm talking about. And by the way, your story is very important for people around you who are hurting. Tell your story. Share it with someone about how God comforted you in a time of great pain. Because that's what Jesus comes to do. To proclaim liberty to the captives. To proclaim liberty to the captives. A captive is someone who is under the control of another. Involuntarily. They're held in captivity. And maybe you're here today and maybe, you're, maybe you know what I'm talking about when you, when you say, I'm captive, I've been held captive to dark, dark, dark things. I've been a slave. I've been enslaved to dark things. Things I thought I would never do. Places I thought I would never go. Under the tyranny of darkness that weighs so heavily on us and condemns us and crushes us and the weight of it every day you wake up with the thought that there's something dark that owns you. And if you're there today, if that's where you are today, know that Jesus has come. Jesus has come to give liberty, freedom, of the captives, to those who are held captive by the darkness, to those who are held captive by the tyranny of Satan, by the, those who are held captive by these things. Know this, Jesus comes to give liberty 
to lead us out, to walk right in and to grab us, lift us up, set our feet and lead us out in the presence of our enemies. I was thinking about that this morning, liberty to the captives, as he's leading us out of condemnation, as he's leading us out of darkness, as he's leading us out of these terrible places where we've been enslaved to, we walk in tow with Jesus and every one of our enemies has to keep his mouth shut. Because the king of kings says, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? And they can't do a thing. That's the power of our God. That our captors shut their mouths in the presence of God's anointed. Wow. That's amazing. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And the opening of the prisons. Captivity and prisoners. A little different, right? Captive, usually you're involuntarily under the control of another person. Prisoner, you did something, right? You broke the law. If you're a prisoner, you did something to get put there. Right? Last week, Pastor Chase was talking about what he does in his free time. He talked about how he reads about sheep. Right? And I love that about Chase because he and I are so similar because as he was reading about that, I was watching Beyond Scared Straight. Um, just close, right? I don't know if you've ever watched Beyond Scared Straight, um, but it's a really interesting show where kids who are on the wrong path get put into prison for a night and prisoners come and try to scare them straight. Um, it's not just a clever name, it's what they do. It's their method. Um, but what's interesting about the show is that you get these prisoners in there and they go, listen, I know what I did was wrong. The ones who get to talk to the teens are the ones who have taken responsibility. I did this, I did this, I did this. And you know what? It cost me this, 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 and this. You don't want this. You don't want this. What you're doing is storing up for yourself a paycheck of prison time. And you don't want this. The prisoners are there to tell others, you don't want this. But what's interesting, what I love about God is when we get to this place where we recognize and take responsibility of the laws that we've broken of his, and if we're contrite, if we admit our wrong and ask for Jesus' mercy, he opens the door of your prison cell and gives you pardon. He gives you pardon. Never be to be revoked. And so some of you are in here today and you're racked with guilt. You're racked with guilt. You know what you did was wrong. And you wonder, how can God ever forgive me? or you're so buried in the shame and the unforgiveness of yourself that haunts you at night. Jesus comes to open the door of your prison cell. He delivers us.
from that. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That God is going to be favorable towards us. Often we think God's going to smack us dead or shoot us with a lightning bolt, right? Sometimes you're like, oh, okay, I can come to church in a movie theater because it's not a building. Because if it came in, I don't know what's going to happen to me if I walk through those doors, right? I've had that conversation. I'm like, you walk through those doors, you're going to find a church that wants you to come in. Just so you know. But you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I, if I ever to walk in the presence of Jesus, I don't know what would happen to me. And what we see here is if we come humbly before him, we receive the Lord's favor. That God blesses us with his favor. Isaiah wrote this. And for 600 years, the world waited. And waited and waited. Until Jesus came. Born of a virgin, proclaimed by angels, worshipped by wise men from afar, sought to be killed by a puppet king because he knew his days were numbered. Blessing the weak and the poor, challenging the proud, and inviting all who are weary to come and find rest in him. And when Jesus got to be old enough, he was out traveling, and in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 21, this is what's really amazing. It said, and he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, that's Saturday, the Jewish day of worship, and he stood up and read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I get chills reading it. Can you imagine being there in that moment? When the world waited, and while you have been waiting to hear some good news, to be bound up, to be set free, to have the door of your prison cell open, to experience the year of the Lord's favor, have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been there? And what I think is amazing about this, this was God's plan all along. This was God's plan all along. 600 years the world waited. And then Jesus shows up and says, I'm here. The fulfillment of this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing today. And if you're here today and you've, you've 
grown up going to church, or maybe this is the first time you've experienced church. I don't know where you're at, but welcome. We're glad you're here. And maybe you've heard the story, maybe you haven't, but here's the deal. This is fulfilled in your hearing. For the poor, your good news is here. For the brokenhearted, your healing is here. For the captive, your liberty is here. For the prisoner, your pardon is here. Jesus is the embodiment of the Lord's favor upon us. And he's with us today. He's with us today. And he achieved all of this by his perfect life. His death on the cross for you and for me and his resurrection from the dead to show that he had conquered it all. The best gifts are given on purpose, with a purpose. That this was God's plan all along. And you gotta understand this, Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is eternal. Jesus was existing, he is eternal. So he was alive and well when Isaiah wrote these words down, okay? Jesus didn't come to this earth and have a plan of self-discovery, okay? There were no gap years for Jesus where he was finding himself. Jesus knew all along what he was to do and why he came. And to give the message that people have been waiting for for so long, so long that he would give the gift of himself so that we would be delivered.